power on. Americans use voice-activated digital devices like myself, the Amazon Echo, of course, with the personal Alexa assistant. But they also raise privacy concerns. A report this week on the tech news website, The Information, says Amazon is considering giving transcripts of Alexa's audio recordings to third-party app developers. In a statement to CBS this morning, Amazon says, we do not share customer identifiable information to third-party skills or apps without the customer's consent. CBS News contributor Nicholas Thompson is editor-in-chief of Wired and is joined us with more. So how worried should we all be about what Alexa knows about us and, and what they're giving to advertisers? Well, I think we should be cautious. These devices are extremely useful. They're effective. They're good. But they also have a totally different relationship with us than our other devices. And we say things and they hear things that we really wouldn't want everywhere. And they're potentially recording all the time. So there are huge potential privacy violations that are going to come down the road. Are they recording when you're not specifically talking to them? No. They record when they hear the word Alexa. They have a little buffer before it. But that's the way they are right now. In the future, they're probably going to record all the time once we get more used to them. Right now, Amazon is being cautious because it doesn't want people to be scared of them. But the way privacy and technology work is we just give it up as time goes on. So eventually they'll record more and they'll sell it to more places. Do we know, are there a way to delete recordings right now that are on there? Yes, there are two ways to do it. You can go into the Alexa app on your phone and you can go in, you can go to settings and then you can go to history and then there are all the individual things you said and you can delete them one by one. Or you can go into Amazon.com and you can go to a thing called manage my content, click on your Alexa and you can delete all of it. Now, the problem with deleting all of it is that Alexa gets better as it listens to you. Mm. So if you do that, it will suddenly go back to what it was when it came out of the box. So I went on that setting last night and I thought, you know what? Not going to do it. Mm-hmm. So what, what do we say to, to those who say, you know what, listen, privacy is out the door. Everything's about convenience right now and forsaking privacy is worth it given the convenience of devices like Alexa. You, you say, well, then you should be happy. I mean, those kind of people, <laughs> they, they're loving life right now because we are constantly giving up privacy and we are only going to give up more privacy because we're entering an era of artificial intelligence. Artificial intelligence depends on data. Data depends on extracting as much as you can from all of your customers. So every big tech company is trying to get as much data as possible and to make it as accessible as possible to all the different parts of their company and all their different products. To get that data everywhere, they have to invade your privacy in all kinds of ways. So we have this constant trade-off. For convenience and for innovation, we give up our privacy. I had a question because in the statement that Amazon provided us, they say they don't share this information without the customer's consent. When do we give consent? Oh, it says we don't share identifiable information without the customer's consent. So it doesn't say Nora ordered a pepperoni pizza on her Alexa. It just says a pepperoni pizza was ordered on an Alexa or 700 people ordered pepperoni pizzas. So it's not, they're not saying exactly who did it. But as we all know from medical records and lots of conversations in the past, smart people looking at non-identifiable data can figure out who exactly said what. But how is this any different from saying what Google already knows and sells? Google knows and posts all the time what we're searching for. It tells us interesting trends about what people are interested in, what they want to do. Because we're used to it. Because we now understand that. Because we know when we type and we type something into Google, we know that is going to follow us around the web. We know that is going to be sold and used in all kinds of ways. We aren't quite used to these Alexas yet. We don't really understand that what we're saying goes into a machine and then gets sent to Amazon and then gets chopped up and parsed and sent all these other places. We know that when we type, we don't know it when we speak. Nick Thompson, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. 
Right here, and it is woo, the Golden Stallion, the Man of Tomorrow, Savzu, the Rated R woo, Radio Star, ready to bring on that Sovereign Tech once again. Woo, but I got to tell you, <laughs> got some new listeners, I think, this week, because uh, this morning I was at a little crypto party. Woo, oh man, <laughs> was it a good time being held uh, by the inimitable Paige Peterson, of course, who of pixel fame of Sovereign Tech, and she's been on the show many times. I'm sure she'll be on again in the future. And it was wonderful. I mean, it was just an absolutely wonderful thing. I did a uh, session on browser security, uh, talked for about, oh, we actually went kind of into overtime, talked for about 40 minutes, but I think it chalked up to being almost an hour, uh, just, for, you know, with questions at the end and everything. And, and it was, it was good. I mean, it was, and, and Paige, of course, before me, um, she was helping everybody get set up with cubes OS. Of course, that's Q U B E S O S, uh, a very, very impressive, uh, operating system that we've talked about in the past. They recently came out with version 4.0. In fact, really April, of course we're in May, but uh, April has been a hell of a month uh, for a lot of, shall we say, OS releases. And we're going to talk about those in a minute. Um, but I'm so glad these kind of crypto party things are happening. Of course, this was in Nashua. This is, uh, I think, I think Paige technically calls it the Southern New Hampshire crypto party, something like that. There's been uh, three or four of them, something like that. I think there's going to be one at Porkfest. And of course, if you want to see whoo, the Golden Stallion, you can see me at Porkfest live and in color, baby. And you better believe I'm going to be doing a live Sovereign Tech there. And you know how much of a great time that's going to be. I think that might be on Thursday night. I'm, I'm not totally sure on that. But if you use the code TECH10, if you go to Porkfest, that's P-O-R-C as in Porcupine, Porcupine Freedom Festival. If you go to Porkfest.com and use the code TECH10, it'll get you a discount on tickets for that. So hope to see, well, however many of you want to show up, uh, hope, you know, hope to see you there. Um, Anyway, you know, and I'm not going to get into this again. I, I've already had more people say, yeah, but when are you ever going to hold like a Sovereign Tech Fest or Sov Fest, as people wanted to call it? Uh, folks, that's just not in the cards yet. OK, <laughs> we're just not there <laughs> to make that happen as, as much as uh, as much as I would love um, to do it. But anyway, 
So at the, I think there's going to be a crypto party at Porkfest as well, uh, but this has been a, a local thing, and this is so important for these kinds of things to happen. Okay, we're going to get into all kinds of tech news. We, I mean, we're, we've, we've got so much to talk about. All right, but um, uh, I think it's important for these to happen. This reminds me of back in the 90s when you would have what are called key parties. Uh, and now, <laughs> yes, every time I bring up key parties, uh, some older people in crowds <laughs> or in my audience may think of something else, <laughs> right? And and may I am fully supportive of both kinds of key parties. Please don't misunderstand me. Okay. <laughs> of course, because there's the key parties where, well, everybody, you know, comes over to a house, everybody puts their keys into a bowl, as in their car keys, and whoever keys, you know, car keys you pick out from the bowl, that's who you're going home with that night. Woo! I mean, hey, I'm all for that. But what I'm more talking about is PGP you know, key signing parties, okay, uh, where everybody's verifying their identity and the person's right there in front of you so you know exactly who you're talking about. Um, these are very important things to do for a lot of reasons. Not that that's exactly what we did at uh, at the crypto party um, uh, today on Saturday, but it is it is something that, like, this kind of idea of people getting into the same room and really connecting with each other and knowing each other and understanding each other, I think is really important. Um, I, I, you know, I want this sort of thing to happen a lot more for people to like physically get together. Um, in fact, there was a point during my browser security session, um, where I said, you know, like, like people are talking about, well, how do we know, know that this website's okay, blah, 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 you know, asking all this sort of thing. I said, well, look folks, like how many websites do you really go to anyway? You know, and of course, I brought up the, the the point of get the fuck off of Facebook. But you know, how many websites do you really go to anyway? Right? Like, like who? <laughs> you know, you you don't getting a bit off the internet teat, okay, with your personal computing is a pretty good idea. Is kind of is the point that I was bringing up. Um, but whatever, you know, it was about browser security, so it's a completely valid question to bring up. But uh, I, I talked all about that. In fact, if you want to see, I'll tell you what, if you're listening to this, um, if you go to browser.zog.ninja, that's the URL. If you go to browser.zog.ninja, um, you can actually, you can see the slides, because I put together a whole PowerPoint, you know, the, the whole thing. Um, you can actually download a PDF of the slides that I used in that, and that more or less covers a lot of what I talked about. So, so you're welcome, you know, to check that out. But really, the best thing you can do is just get together with other people that take privacy security and all of this very seriously. Uh, that that's a, you know, that's again, that's why I love these kind of crypto parties that are going on. And I hope that they become more commonplace and become more commonplace, you know, around the world. Um, and not just in big cities. I know like there's 2,600 meetings, you know, in, uh, as in reference to the hacker quarterly, uh, you know, in various cities, I know that there's, you know, there's all these different kind of meetups and everything, but what about in the more disparate places? Like, I think that's where it's more important because I think that again, the real developments, um, you know, technologically and that technologies and software and whatever else that will empower the individual are happening, are happening in garages, you know, with solder smoke coming out of them. Uh, so, you know, I think these kind of meetings in, again, in more rural, I'll use that word, more rural places is really important to happen. Um, this should not be, should not belong to the purview of the cities because, well, cities come with their own challenges. And especially when you consider what Silicon Valley is trying to do and well, what, Silicon Valley and governments are trying to do with smart cities. I mean, these are terrifying concepts, in my opinion. They are absolutely tyrannical, terrifying concepts. So anyway, let's uh, 
that's that. The crypto party, it was a great time. Um, of course, you know, like if there's if I'm going to be in an event, I regularly will uh, will tweet about it. So follow me on Twitter at SovereignTech.com to find out about that. Uh, or, of course, always be checking out the website SovereignTech.com for any of the latest developments going on. Even though that's the Patreon page, I'll make public posts of important you know, mess, important information, like if a show's coming out late or whatever's going on, generally I will, um, I'll post about it uh, there more so than on social media, because I'm just really, you know, side note, I was really shocked by this. So I have a newsletter. Um, in fact, the latest issue should be out by the time that you're hearing this. Uh, it's the April issue running a little late, but it's the April issue. Anyway, I got the main newsletter from Kevin Rose, who Kevin Rose, you know, those in the tech world, he needs no introduction. You know about Kevin Rose, Dig and all the other things. Um, he I, I really have enjoyed over the past year. I've enjoyed his newsletter. In fact, it's one of the things that inspired me making my own. The interesting thing about his newsletter in May, if anyone else got it was that he he put like all he did was share one episode of his podcast and he more or less just said uh, at at the bottom of it in fact you know what let me pull it up so here here's what kevin rose said okay he you know he goes down and and usually i mean like this this newsletter is kind of well he he sort of backpedaled on it a lot cuz he used to give like app recommendations he used to give all the stuff then he just started sharing links he used to give commentary on the links that he did kind of like what i do with the sovereign tech newsletter um but then he i don't know he's been backpedaling the past couple months and then finally he says this he says speaking of taking a break how are you feeling with your technology use these days? I've personally been wrestling with finding the right balance, going as far as locking down my device or locking down my device for some relief. The more space and time I spend away from technology, the more I start to wake up and notice just how addicted I was. I truly am concerned. We've raised a generation of humans in need of constant stimulation. Um, and then he, he asks questions. I'd love to know your thoughts on this. How do you find balance? Do you feel overwhelmed by technology? Do you feel comfortable just sitting without needing something to do? Please reply. I really am curious. Thanks for listening. Have a great month. That That's what Kevin Rose says. So now, all right, there's an irony here, right? Because without this, you know, tech addiction, or maybe like what Hack 5 would call techno lust, without this, Kevin Rose wouldn't be, you know, the multimillionaire or however much money he has now that he has. Right. Because he started his whole gig was starting way back on uh, on tech TV, you know, with Leo Laporte and all that. What was he? The dark hacker or some kind of shit like or the dark tipster or something like that. Whatever the hell he was was called. Um, and then, of course, he created Dig, which was a very popular website for a time. Um I mean, that's the irony is that like, oh, all right, well, I've made my millions off of all this tech now. Guess what? Oh, shit. I want to back off the tech. I'm not digging it. I'm not liking it. Um, and I'm not saying he's unique in this because as we've talked about many times, you know, you have uh, Jeff Bezos, even the late Steve Jobs. I mean, you have a whole slew of tech giant CEOs and execs and whatever who are obviously making millions and millions of dollars off of your use of their shit, be it fire tablets for your kids or echoes for your kids. Oh, yeah, that's a thing now. Um, or, you know, specifically for your kids, rubberize the whole thing. They, they don't want you. They don't want you know, your kids to talk to you. They, they want to talk. They want you talking to Amazon um, or they want your kids talking to, to them. But uh, I mean, go, go down the list of whatever their, or their iPads or Chromebooks, whatever the fuck it is. OK, you know, they are totally willing for you to be hooked and they want to hook you into their ecosystems and all that. But how about how do they treat their own kids? Well, what do they do? They send them off to schools where there's no technology. 
maybe something like Kevin Rose would appreciate now if you're to believe his, uh, you know, his little newsletter, just in case that wasn't Kevin Rose just being lazy or something, which I don't think it was. I think I can understand where he's coming from. I mean, look, I'm no millionaire, not, not even close, but, but like I, you know, I, I can understand that. Yeah, like. I like not that I have a problem like where he says he says, do you feel comfortable just sitting without needing something to do? Yes, I absolutely do that. I am. I am completely capable. And I mean that. And I actually enjoy doing that of just sitting like hell in the morning. I'll go out. I'll sit outside on the front porch and just and just swing and just take in everything and collect the vitamin D, you know, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm so, so on on board with that. But yeah, I mean, I you know, I came to a realization some I well not even months maybe year or I mean months might be the wrong time frame could be years where it's like holy shit could I stop looking at a screen for a few minutes I mean that's part of what what you know really got me rededicated to working out so much was because it was a time frame where like I, I felt like I was rewarding myself and building myself up and improving and at the same time though it's not something that required me to look at a screen I mean how many things can you think to do of that allow for that today you know, because everything's on the goddamn screen, everything. And I, yeah, I'm just sick of it. And, and, you know, before anybody says, well, this is why we need to get to zero UI. And this is why I use a virtual assistant. This is why I have an Amazon fucking echo. Fuck you, Alexa. Okay. Uh, we'll talk plenty about why that's a problem. That's a whole other set of, of, of concerns. No, and, and so I think it's interesting that Kevin Rose goes on this tear saying, yeah, you know, like I, I think we have an ugly relationship with technology. Kevin Rose. All right. Well, Sovereign Tech's been talking about that for a little while now, but I'm glad to hear Kevin Rose is finally catching up or, well, you know what I mean? I don't I, I actually kind of like Kevin Rose. I don't mean any any real insult towards him. Um, regardless, let, anyway, we, we've got stuff to talk about, but I, I just I find that interesting, you know, that that's that's an attitude that's coming up. Hey, we we are completely out of balance. We are losing connection with ourselves. We are losing touch with ourselves and we are just completely hooked. But the again, the irony is is that all the people in Silicon Valley, all the people, you know, where, wherever the fuck they are that are coming to that realization, they're making all their money, they're making their living, they have the ability to have a balance uh, in their life with technology because you don't, because you're fucking hooked, because you're constantly looking at the screen, you're constantly posting shit that it's nobody else's business to even know about, you're constantly doing blah, 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 and they're making bank off of it. How's that for a lack of balance? There's the real imbalance, in my opinion. So keep that in mind. Anyway, whoo, uh, let's, uh, <laughs> you know, I say all this, but then we've got, you know, there's actually some some cool, a couple cool things, at least, that have come out in the past couple weeks um, that, you know, that that are kind of excited, you know, something to be excited about with uh, with technology that we can talk about. So here I go, you know, well, no, I'm not being inconsistent. <laughs> I, I mean, we're nobody's, you know, Kevin Rose isn't saying being a Luddite. I've never said be a fucking Luddite. I'm just saying, like, let's put technology in its place. That's what I've always said. And I think, honestly, that's what Kevin Rose is saying, too. Uh, but all right, let's let's break into the foreplay. Let's start talking up some of this uh, little little tidbits of tech news. So let's start it off. We got, well, April 30th. OK, and actually, if you're a Sovereign Tech patron, we talked about this because so many of you ask questions about this. I'm not going to be able to get to it in this week's uh, important messages segment on the Sovereign Tech Prime episode. But. If you want a deeper review uh, of these, I talked about this on the uh, Wednesday Q&A uh, just this past week. And on April 30th, finally, like it, <laughs> at the buzzer, 
Microsoft releases the Windows 10 April update. Now, two weeks ago, we talked about that. We said that we knew that it was going to be called the Windows 10 April update. They finally came out with a name and that it would only, you know, they only had a few days to fucking get it out. And well, I mean, like I said, down to the wire. I mean, on the 30th, the last day of April, they finally released to the public uh, the Windows 10 April update. Um, There's not a whole lot, honestly. And I mean, I went into some depth on on the Patreon Q&A, but there's really not a whole lot to say here. This isn't like a dramatic uh, uh, shift in how Windows 10 operates. Um, I mean, there's a lot of security features underneath. Of course, then there's some removed. This was this was a clusterfuck. Apparently, Microsoft in the if you installed window, the Windows 10 April update straight as in not an update, uh, uh, you know, from from, say, what was the, or the, the fall creators update? If you did it straight. Come to find out, it got rid of all of the uh, security patches that were put in for um, for Spectre and Meltdown. You know, for for the the problems with the uh, with processors, with the Intel processors and others. And it's like, wait, what the fuck? <laughs> how do you how do you fuck that up? <laughs> so so it, it's kind of a mess. I have not. In fact, I'm recording this right now on a computer um, that's running the Windows 10 April update. I have run into zero issues. In fact, it cleared up a lot of issues that I was having, like little ones where little things where like since I up- updated to the fall creators update, um, like I couldn't if I wanted to multi select files in File Explorer, it wouldn't uh, or, you know, in the file manager, it wouldn't like highlight all of the multiple files that I choose. Um, in fact, it wouldn't highlight any of them. And that's kind of annoying when you're copying and pasting a ton of files. Like, otherwise, you're going through guesswork. Uh, it was really weird. I mean, it was off and on, and often it would happen after I put the computer to sleep. But uh, that, that's that been fixed. There's been a lot of little things that were fixed. Um, the focus assist, not, you know, whatever. That That's that's their new version of quiet mode uh, where it's a little more granular and all that. Um, I think it's just a pain in the ass. There's, there's really, I mean, and a lot of the improvements were to Microsoft Edge, which, of course, makes sense because Microsoft Edge, since the, you know, Microsoft Store, all of the apps that they're pushing and that they're pushing on other platforms, um, you know, like like they're uh, connected everywhere, PCs, right? Um in the UWP store, a lot of those are going to become progressive web apps, and that means they're going to use Microsoft Edge as effectively, you know, their container that runs that runs these apps. Um, so Edge having a lot of extra features, of course, makes a ton of sense. Um, I know there have been people who have had issues with the, when they updated to uh, the Windows 10 April update. You know, the best thing you can do if you're really concerned about that and you're not that tech savvy and you can't get it to go is just wait for Microsoft to push it to you because there's a website you can go to where you can download the upgrade assistant and it will force your computer to update to uh, and it's from Microsoft directly, but it'll force your computer to update to the Windows 10 April update. Um, But, you know, if you're if you're really concerned about what could happen there and I don't blame you if you are. You, you know, go just just wait for it to get pushed to your computer. It might be a month, but whatever, you know, you're not it's 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 not like you're not going to get security patches uh, to was 1709, which was the pre or the fall creators update, which is the previous version um, of Windows 10. So that's out there. Um, that That's alive. And we also found out this week about a something called Windows 10 lean as an L.E.A.N. Windows 10 lean, which a bunch of different theories as far as what this is about now. I mean, I don't it's it's almost meaningless to bring up. So some people are theorizing that it's designed to work on devices that only have 16 gig of uh, onboard storage and that way it can continually update, which you would need to come up with a specific version of Windows to be able to run on something like that, because um, 
you know, well, if you downloaded the Windows 10 April update, you know how much like you could have anywhere from from four to 20 gig of space that would be filled up either by old Windows files and to say nothing of how much it, you know, how much space you needed to download the actual updates for the Windows 10 uh, April update to begin with. And so obviously on 16 gigs, that's not going to fly because, again, it could potentially be like 20 gig, you know, that 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 Microsoft is shuffling around. Um, so this Windows 10 lean, people are saying, well, it's meant to run on like lower end devices and all this, or maybe it's for the education market. Yeah, maybe. But this is this is all getting so fucking confusing. Like what Microsoft's doing with Windows, I'll be curious. They're having their build conference um, next week, and I will be interested to hear like supposedly insiders are saying they're going to lay out their vision for the future at build. Well, I want to hear what the fuck that is, because right now it looks like Microsoft and not that this is necessarily new for Microsoft, but that they have no goddamn idea what the hell they're doing. And they're they're you know, they're just doing shotgun approach and just splatting everything against the wall and seeing what sticks. Uh, it's really, really bad. I mean. That's okay if people want to experiment, but do that in R&D. No, this stuff's actually kind of going out there. And look, when, when I mean, at the same time, I like it when when prototypes actually get out to the market, are available to the market, but don't you, you can't make this stuff so confusing. It's I mean, consumers are already so fucking confused with so much shit. I mean, especially like say with their phones or whatever else, like the best thing, the best thing the PC industry could do, okay, the personal computer industry could do is to really simplify options and choices, simplify the fuck out of that shit. I think that's the bread and butter that makes iPhone such a big hit, you know, and maybe the rest of, of Apple's line of, of products is that it's a very simplified line. I mean, I want diversity, but at the same time, like if you want your, you know, if you want your industry, your market to stay relevant, you've got to simplify it for consumers to get on board with it right now. I think it's such a fucking mess and Microsoft could do things to, to simplify creating other versions of windows and all that is not the way to do it. So, but we don't really know what the hell windows 10 lean uh, is supposed to be uh, anyway. But speaking of something that does make sense and has been simplifying and, in my opinion, has been doing it right in a very real way is uh, Canonical. Of course, Canonical are the creators of, uh, you know, the developers and uh, stewards of Ubuntu, which is, I think, you know, for a while I remember they were saying, oh, Linux Mint is the most popular Linux operating system. I'm pretty sure Ubuntu is still top of the heap. And, and really always has been. And, and I think actually it, it probably always will be. And I'm not saying that it's technically the best, um, but it is the most popular. It does have an impressive community around it. But they finally came out with their uh, long term service, uh, their newest long term service version of Ubuntu, that being 1804, um, which is the first long term service uh, build in a few years. Last one being 1604. Um, so the, these are great. You know, if you if you really and I definitely recommend it. We've been talking about the, the issues with Windows, um, over, especially over the past couple months. Um, if you are looking to finally get away from Windows, getting on board with a new Ubuntu release that is an LTS release like 1804 is a great time to do it because you'll get full security support and everything else for oh it's some stupid amount of years <laughs> like like i think this one's going to be supported until like 2022 or something you know you've got a good long while and then you know you'll have to update then and you can update incrementally because they come out with a new version every six months um which is nice to count on and and ubuntu does a usually does a better job of fixing that even though I guess just before they were about to release 1804, they found a couple bugs that they had to fix really, really quickly and haphazardly. Uh, so I and fuck, I don't know what's going. I, you know, I worry about this. So when you have 
Microsoft is behind when you got Ubuntu, you know, that they say they're going to push out a release and it doesn't, you know, that there's issues with the release and everybody's having an issue with the release. And then, you know, I don't know if any, I'm sure more of you notice this, but how many uh, uh, services, online services, companies, software, whatever that you have and that you have an account with, how many of them did you get an email from in the past couple of weeks saying, oh, we've updated our, our privacy policy. Oh, we've updated our terms of service. Like everybody was doing it. Okay, we'll talk more about one company that ran into a real problem here. Okay, but everybody was fucking doing that. Every time this kind of shit happens, the the conspiracies start to run through my mind, and perhaps they're valid, that the NSA just, you know, changed some lingo, you know, and, and just, just gave some new marching orders to all these fucking American companies or to all these companies, you know, all the tech companies and whatever. And so they had to update everything to make sure that they don't get legally screwed when, you know, some alphabet soup organization starts collecting your information or, you know, uses some kind of exploit against your computer. I worry about that sort of thing. You know, I, I really do. When, when it's all at once, everybody does. It's like, ah, oh, shit. Now, I mean, a lot of it could be a response, say, to the Cloud Act and other things. And, and that's certainly, you know, totally plausible. But either way, I mean, that's still the same abstract point is that, well, the rules have changed and you got fucked somehow as a consumer. Uh, you know, as soon as you hear the updates to terms of service, they're they're never good. And certainly when everybody starts sending you emails that they've updated it, you know, it's not good. You know, that government somewhere somehow just you know, just told you to bend over and grab the ankles. So anyway, uh, Ubuntu 18.04 LTS talking about that. <laughs> of course I have installed it. Um, I've been using it, uh, as my daily driver for a few days. I believe it came out on the 26th. Uh, yeah, well, so I, I guess I've been messing with it for about a week or so. Um, it's solid. Like I, I, I've enjoyed it. I like the fact that they went back to gnome shell, um, you know, and, and they've simplified and now canonical is really focusing on, uh, I mean, there's some focus on cloud, but of course that's because a lot of their enterprise customers are focused in that direction. But bottom line being they're concentrating on making sure Ubuntu just fucking works. No more of this. And believe me, I'm supportive of these, of these projects as well, but no more of this. Okay. Let's do unity. Let's make Ubuntu work everywhere. Even your refrigerator. Let's make Ubuntu, you know, Ubuntu phones and tablets and blah, blah, blah. You know, let's go all over the place where instead, you know, they're sticking to, okay, no, this is what we're good at. We're good at making an operating system. Let's make this operating system the best thing that we can. Let's make this desktop environment solid, blah, blah, blah. I love that because like I said, with Windows, I'm concerned that they don't know what the fuck they're doing and what their market category or, you know, what their categories are uh, for their market and, and, and all of that as to where Ubuntu is like, OK, no, we're going to make a great desktop operating system. Woo, all right, good. There you go. Have that nice single focus. I like that. OK, I like that a lot because Ubuntu doesn't have to build, you know, any other software. I mean, you already have, you know, the Linux community is building the greatest software in the world already. So just, just let them handle that. You make an operating system that everybody can use. And I got to say, Ubuntu 18.04, talk about an easy fucking install. It was fast and it was goddamn easy. Uh, I was really impressed. In fact, there's even the minimal install solution where they allow you to just install without all the bloat. You know, what, what some people, some Linux users would say is bloatware. You know, none of the office software, none of that other stuff. Just raw dogging it. Good. I like that. I like having that option anyway, if you know what to do with it. So Ubuntu 18.04, I recommend it. I, I think it, I think it's very sleek, very slick. Uh, I like it. Of course you want to, 
you know, everybody knows you install the tweaks app right afterwards. And, and, and yeah, snap apps and like Flatpak, all of that easily integrates into the, uh, the stock Ubuntu uh, app store as well, which is, uh, which is really nice. So you're going to want to jump on that. There's, there's lots of great things to do with that. Um, I might, I might get into uh, maybe for Patreon content or something. I, cause I was really impressed with, uh, with page doing the, you know, showing the install of cubes OS, I might uh, do that with like a like, okay, this is how you get up and running and, you know, have all that, you know, kind of, kind of do like a little bit of an audio course if that's possible. Uh, but I'd have to experiment with that. Anyway, speaking of other releases, uh, here's something that I finally got in the mail. Um, this was also just released. I'm not going to do a full review in this episode, but I am checking it out and look folks, you know how much I hate Facebook. I mean, like I, I really fucking hate Facebook. Um, and I've and we've talked about the saga with Oculus and Facebook for some time. Of course, Oculus originally was just a Kickstarter uh, for the Oculus Rift device that John Carmack was behind. Of course, John Carmack is, I think, you know, if there are heroes in the computer revolution, John Carmack is one of them, in my opinion. Um, you know, one of the main guys behind Doom and so many other things. I'm just a huge fan. Uh, he's still, you know, doing his business with with Oculus. Uh, and, you know, since Oculus has been acquired um, by Facebook, again, we already talked about all this. You'd have to go back to listen to the episodes to talk about I mean, because I'm not like 100 percent OK with it at all. But um, regardless, Oculus did what I think, you know, I am a fan of virtual reality and I think Oculus has released what is necessary for virtual reality to finally really hit stride. Um, in fact, they've done a little bit better than, you know, I, I thought Google Cardboard would be enough for most people, but I guess maybe in a lot of people's minds, they think cardboard and they don't take it very seriously. Though maybe Nintendo's going to end up proving them wrong, right? Because Nintendo has Nintendo Labo, uh, which I... I don't know if I'm ever going to get the chance to mess with, but, you know, it's all these cardboard devices that you can connect your switch to and you build them. And then, you know, the switch can do all this wild shit. Um, I, I have no problem with this. I think these are brilliant ideas. I, th- I thought Google Cardboard was a brilliant idea, but maybe it wasn't enough for people. They didn't take it seriously enough to where it could be a full on experience. Uh, well, Oculus has now come out with the Oculus Go which is separate from the Rift and also separate from their upcoming Rift, what would effectively be their Rift 2, which is uh, Project Santa Cruz is what they're calling it. So the Oculus Go, it's a $200 device, depending upon when you bought it, you know, uh, but baseline, it's about $200. There's a 64 gig that that comes with 32 gig of of memory. Um, There's a 64 gig version that you can get for 250, but otherwise that's all it has is double the, uh, double the, um, the storage on it. Uh, I will be, I have one. It's in my, actually, it's right next to me right here. I will be messing with this. Uh, that price point of $200 is what makes it exciting because while it's not, it is a standalone device. It still uses your phone to be the app store and you can even connect to your phone to like, look at photos and some other stuff. Okay. Um, but even though it does have onboard storage itself. Um, I've messed with it a little bit and so far I'm pretty fucking impressed. I mean, it's the one drawback is that it's battery life is only two and a half hours. Um, if that were double, it'd be a lot more intriguing, but again, for the price, I mean this, it feels like a very premium product. Like it, it really, really does. I'm going to save my full review maybe for uh, next week or the week after, of course, next week, uh, you'll end up with one of the, what we call the best, uh, or what you call the sovereign tech listeners call the best, which is an episode where myself, 
that being Brian, and then Ellen and Stephanie are on. Uh, that's where the term BEST comes from, B-E-S-T. Uh, so <laughs> it's an acronym uh, that a Sovereign Tech listener came up with that I just think is just brilliant. So we'll be doing that. Um, and so I don't know if I'll talk about the Oculus Go then. Maybe I'll have them test it out, and then they can review it too. That'd be a lot of fun. Uh, but anyway, but that's out. that came out, uh, and the reviews that I've seen online, you know, are largely very positive. Um, and so far my review is very positive, but let's be clear here. Uh, Facebook is certainly going to milk, um, you know, the virtual reality cow for all it's worth as far as collecting user data. Of course, we'll talk more about that uh, later on in this episode and in the concerns um, around that. But the Oculus Go isn't the only one. There is also what is it? The is it the Mirage Solo, the the Lenovo uh, standalone daydream headset? Now, this is completely standalone. You don't even connect it to your phone for the App Store or anything. Um, and it's double the price, though, 400 bucks, which I think. I don't think that's a crazy price for a Google Daydream headset, you know, especially considering that it doesn't require an, a phone to connect to it. And it does have better battery life than the Oculus Go. But I think that $200, like, that's kind of the perfect spot. You know, in fact, when you, when you think of Nintendo, like, they've, they've sort of always known that, that if you if you keep it around that area of $200 that or $250, something like that, you think back to the GameCube, uh, et cetera, and if you just like limit the device, the fact that it has this lower price is just going to attract everybody. So I, I think they know what they're doing with that. And I think the Oculus Go, my guess is, is that it is going to be a major, major hit. Uh, and it will be the platform to beat, even though some of these apps like Altspace VR and some others are really cross platform. Um, regardless of what you're, you know, what you're using it on, be it the Vive, a Daydream headset like the Mirage Solo uh, or you know, the full on Oculus Rift or Windows Mixed Reality, whatever it ends up having, you know, whatever it ends up being. Um, so I'll, I'll save my review on that, but they're out. They've been released. Standalone headsets are happening in a thing. And I've said that this is important that we get these standalone headsets uh, and that they become their own devices, their own computers for virtual reality or mixed reality uh, to really be able to take off. And now it's happening and it's happening at price points where people are losing excuses to say, oh, no, it's too expensive for me to get into. I mean, $200, not at all. So uh, anyway, review of that uh, coming soon. But maybe you not, you're not going to want to touch a, a Oculus Go because, again, it is developed of effect. I mean, Oculus is still. All right. All right so a couple points. One, Facebook generally, historically, when it's acquired a company, and this is changing, historically, when it's acquired a company, it's allowed the company to function with relative autonomy. And the reason being most people think that that Facebook would buy some of these companies out is they're owning their competition. What they see as their potential competition, like Instagram certainly could have become uh, a genuine replacement for Facebook. And it still may. But now, because Zuckerberg owns it, well, he's not losing anything if Instagram if Instagram becomes the bigger deal. We'll end up talking about that probably a little more uh, later on in the show. Um, but Oculus has seemed to be able to just run, you know, more or less independently. But it has to slap in some of that Facebook branding and have some special Facebook uh, uh, connectivity features in it. Uh, but more or less, you know, they just keep going forward with with, with what they want. Um but that seems to be changing at Facebook where they are now they're they're trying to mix all of their realms. I mean, and, and, you know, with with both founders of WhatsApp having now left uh, the company and, you know, WhatsApp, of course, was bought out by um, by Facebook years ago. 
I, I mean, I, I really I think we're starting to see the signs that, oh, now now Facebook is starting to really close in its garden. And now these companies don't get to act independently. And, and that's concerning, especially with Oculus, because Oculus was, you know, I, I, I think they had much bigger dreams than what had become what so far has become of it, even though I think the experiences overall have been largely positive And Project Santa Cruz is going to be an interesting thing to keep a keep an eye out for. But again, Facebook, yeah, they've got their tendrils in this shit. And maybe you're concerned about that. Well, maybe you have a goddamn good reason to be concerned about it because, whoo, <laughs> Facebook came out <laughs> and here's here's a direct quote from Facebook. And of course, they're referencing, you know, what went down with Cambridge Analytica here and saying, oh, well, we're putting in all these efforts into uh, re-enabling privacy, you know, and caring about privacy. Like, I mean, they're more or less admitting, no, we didn't really care about privacy before. <laughs> and of course, I don't think they do now. But hey, whatever. Anyway, uh, you know, they're talking about what happened with Cambridge Analytica. And as a result of them you know, really doing a privacy shakedown, as it were, company wide, quote, as a result of these efforts, we anticipate that we will discover and announce additional incidents of misuse of user data or other undesirable activity by third parties. We may also be notified of such incidents or activity via the media or other third parties. So pretty much they're saying that, guess what, folks, the worst is yet to come. Like Cambridge Analytica is a drop in the goddamn bucket as far as what Facebook allowed. Yes, allowed to happen with your data, baby. And it's going to be a fucking mess. And it's just going to keep on coming. And now they're just getting out in front of it. And when we talk about another story later on in this episode, when we get to our main story, you're going to hear it's really pathetic. You're going to hear Mark Zuckerberg crack jokes about the fact that, you know, about everything that happened with Cambridge Analytica and what has been handled, uh, you know, how user data has been handled and how users have been handled, uh, et cetera. He's going to crack jokes about. I mean, I don't know. I guess you think this is funny. You think you're fucking, you know, human liberties getting trampled on right and left by this fucking tech giant is, you know, that's a barrel of laughs. All right. If that's how you feel about it, because that's how Zuckerberg feels about it. Maybe you're a fucking Android, too. But we'll get into that a little bit later. But just so you know, you know, here, here's Sovereign Tech giving you a little PSA saying, hey, uh, Facebook said that they're going to let you know um, that it's a whole hell of a lot worse, you know, and they're going to make you rue the day that you ever even open a goddamn account. Well, they're not going to tell you that you should feel bad about it. But for fuck's sake, <laughs> it's it's so bad and they know it's so bad. And I mean, I can only imagine what the, the shit that they know or and they're even saying that's hilarious. They're even saying, well, we might not even tell you about it. Actually, it might come out from other third parties that are going to figure this shit out because they've got to know that like any journalist trying to make a name for themselves right now is just pouring through anything they can sink their teeth into when it comes to Facebook, you know, just to make that next big break of a story like Cambridge Analytica, because, you know, again, the results of that went whoo, all the way to the top, right to the Senate. Oh, oh. And did they do anything? Fuck. No, they didn't <laughs> because nobody cares about you. <laughs> nobody cares about you except you. Uh, maybe one day you'll realize that anyway. All right. Um, let's, let's get on to another little story here because, oh, before you just go, <laughs> before you go and think, well, yeah, boy, that Facebook, they're so goddamn terrible. I'll, I, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go to Twitter. <laughs> 
<laughs> you're like Katie Holmes. It's like, oh, I'm so glad to be out of that cult Scientology, and now I'm into the loving arms of the Catholic Church. What? <laughs> no, man, you didn't leave anything. <laughs> hey, don't you? Guys, guys, gals, Zs, listen to me. The problem's not Facebook. The problem's not, well, shit, if we just had a social media network that just worked a little fucking bit better. The problem is social media. Do you understand? That's the issue here. Across the board, it's fucking toxic. And it relies, just like AI, machine learning, all this other horseshit, it completely relies upon you handing over you know, all of your personal data upon collecting this often without your knowledge, it relies upon constantly behaviorally testing on you, be it through ads or fuck like Facebook did to a quarter million fu- or three quarters of a million fucking people three, four years ago where, I mean, they, they were literally messing with people's heads, making them depressed. That didn't get you off of that. And you think that what Facebook's the only one that does this shit. Oh, kiss my goddamn ass. So what did Twitter do this week? Well, I hope you changed your password. I really do, because now, granted, this happened internally. They found out about this leak internally, and all the security researchers are like, oh, Twitter handled this so well. They found out about it on the inside, and then they're very transparent about it. Now, I will say, that, so what happened is, is literally, like, every Twitter password, they found out that it could potentially have been, uh, you, you know, somebody could have gotten their hands on all of this and that it was they were all open they weren't they're supposed to be encrypted on servers okay all of these passwords but turns out there was uh you know one little area of the database where nobody's passwords were encrypted and if anybody knew about that they could have gotten their hands on everybody's goddamn twitter account ass good i'm glad twitter caught it on the inside that's how you do business sure i'll give it that um also will i say that they were transparent about it Yes, they were actually, they, they sent out multiple emails giving people updates, okay, about, hey, this is what we're doing, this is what's going on with your password, etc. Okay, those are, I mean, I'll agree to some degree with the security researchers, those are the right moves. Like, if this has to be a thing, then that's how you handle it. Okay, but let's be clear here that, how the fuck did you miss this? Like, how did that not show up that there wasn't this whole, you, you know, cache that wasn't encrypted? And also, it just shows the, you know, the danger, of course, that we bring up often, the danger of centralization. Like, I mean, there shouldn't even be a centralized store of passwords. There's other ways to do this sort of thing. In fact, hell, if Twitter, I mean, this should be, hopefully, because I didn't see Twitter's name on this. We talked, uh, either it was on a Patreon episode or we talked over the past couple weeks, we talked about, uh, you know, the new FIDO2 protocol, where you have your little security key, it's a physical device, looks like a YubiKey, actually made by YubiKey, and you plug that into your computer, and then nobody has to store any fucking passwords. Problem solved. I hope this incentivizes Twitter to get on top of that. But it's not like this is a new idea. This idea of storing credentials, you know, is has been concerning for a long fucking time. And do you think anybody might, you know, they're coming out and saying, well, as far as we can tell, nobody has misused this data that was completely unencrypted. And wow, you know, amateur hour at Twitter. Sorry, blah, blah, blah. Great. You know, we'll take your word for it. But that's all we've got. Anyway. uh, Well, so, yeah, fuck that shit. Uh, (laughs) Change your password, folks. Okay, get to it. And if you want, maybe I mean, I don't think, you know, here's the thing. 
because we've been talking about this a lot. Look, I mean, none of these, especially the tech giants, they really don't give a shit what you want. They, like, they don't care about your opinions. Okay. Uh, I mean, if you really wanted to, you could say, hey, could you please implement, you know, like the FIDO2 protocol and do that yesterday? Uh, because I already, you know, you can go, what, 20 bucks? You can buy one of these a security key off of YubiKey to, to set that up um, and say, yeah, I've already, you know, share a picture with them. I've already got my, uh, my uh, you know, my security key with FIDO2 on it. Could you, could you get it on this, please? I don't think it's going to do a goddamn thing because, again, they don't care. You know, I mean, there's been a million features that mi literally millions of Twitter users have been asking for for years, especially anti-abuse features and others that Twitter's never done, done a thing about, you know, because they can't like the, by their business model. They can't do that sort of thing. And maybe that's true for this as well. Uh, well, anyway, fuck them all. Uh, OK, so one last bit of business here, and this has to actually do with kind of podcasting in general. I don't think somebody sent in this story to me, so I just want to comment on it quickly. Uh, Pocket Casts, which I think on both Android and iOS, and actually now it's also a UWP app and they have a, uh, a web uh, interface as well. Uh, Pocket Casts, which I think is the just bar none, hands down, zero question about it, the best podcast app in the world. I mean, just straight up. In fact, most iOS users they use they use Pocket Cast. They don't use iTunes anymore, <laughs> or they don't even use like the podcast app. They go straight to Pocket Cast. Uh, I mean, this is a wildly popular app because of it. Well, guess what? NPR bought them out, so I I don't think anything bad's going to happen out of that. Um, I am I am very skeptical of NPR's claims that oh shit. You know, uh, you know, we're, we're going to we're going to make sure that oh, all the podcasts get proper treatment, blah, blah, blah. I don't think so. This is just a prop up NPR. NPR's attitude towards podcasting is that they think they invented podcasting and they think they're the only podcasts that exist. Really, that's NPR's attitude towards that. Uh, I mean, you can listen, you know, ask ask Leo Laporte from the Twit Network, which is in many ways like I mean, they're not the inventors of podcasting, but they're certainly one of the earliest, uh, you know, major players. I mean, for you know, orders of a decade or more. Um, and also, I mean, they're easily one of the, you know, biggest, certainly one of the biggest podcast networks, if not the biggest podcast network, uh, as well as, yeah, I mean, just, you know, just crazy listener numbers and everything. I mean, they'll tell you NPR is, you know, they're not the good guys in podcasting. So I understand why people have concerns about them buying out pocket casts and whatever. And no, I don't believe that they care about the entire podcast ecosystem in general. Like I don't expect them to ever want to reach out to sovereign tech for anything, uh, you know, or, or any other like genuinely independent media, which is the real power of podcasting. Um, but I don't think they're going to do anything to hurt pocket casts either because to some degree, you know, you'd be shooting yourself in the foot. So them buying this, it's probably I think the only changes they're going to make is that like in the discover tab on pocket Cast, it's going to be all NPR bullshit and fine because that discover tab was meaningless anyway, <laughs> you know? Uh, and they even said that they're not going to get rid of the NPR app and everything. Um, this is, I mean, maybe they're trying to go for a platform play because like we've talked about many times on sovereign tech, the, the podcast becoming the central podcast hub, which it appears Google's trying to do that because now you can play podcasts right through Google search. In fact, I even did it with, uh, with Sovereign Tech. I could play the latest episode of Sovereign Tech right in the Google search app um, on a smartphone. It's, it's pretty cool. I mean, fuck Google, but it's pretty cool, you know, that you can do that. Um, most of the tech giants seem to finally be picking up the slack or the ball that Apple dropped years ago um, and creating and trying to create some kind of like monetized net real network uh, that that brings podcasting to the level of, say, cable television. Right. 
um, which is still a thing, folks, in case you're you're confused. Most people aren't cord cutters or if they are, they're still just watching cable channels. They're just only paying, you know, 10 to 15 bucks a month to get it. And they're not really saving any money because they're stupid. Um, but yeah, Pocket Cast bought out by NPR. I don't think it's that big of a deal. You know, if you're wanting my opinion on it, I, I don't I'm not sweating it. Uh, and honestly, there's plenty of other, you know, podcast uh, platforms out there. I mean, if they did fuck with Pocket Cast, well, then you go on to the next one. I mean, you know, that's the beauty of podcasting in general is that it is such a it really is decentralized. But I mean, it is such a open platform uh, or an open uh, entertainment platform, I should say, that, you know, no one can really take it over. And maybe that's why nobody's really tried until recently, uh, you know, to do it, because it did seem like like a losing cause because you couldn't really route it, you know, rein it all in. Um, but anyway, yeah. All right. We've got, whew, we're going to talk some more Facebook here in a minute because, man, they, they, are they pulling bullshit? Or does that surprise anybody? No. But we'll talk about it and we'll be right back with some more Sovereign Tech. Woo! You know, the Golden Stallions here are always complaining about some kind of tech giant, some company, some somebody doing some bullshit every single week. You know how it goes. And, uh, boy, do you ever hear many solutions? I like to think that I give you plenty of solutions, but I'm going to toss one more on you for all of this. Okay, to solve the whole licking thing, one of the one of the options out there, one of the solutions is Zencash. Sovereign Tech sponsor, you want to check this out. You think decentralization is a solution? You think blockchains are a solution? You think that, you know, cryptocurrencies and all this are a solution? Guess what? Zencash has got your number because they're going to hook you up with the whole thing, security, privacy, anonymity, the whole package. And they're not just doing cryptocurrencies, baby. This is an entire platform where all kinds of exciting things um, are happening. You, if you haven't heard about Zencash, you need to be checking that out now. You want to go to Zencash.com. That's the website, Zencash.com. I don't get excited about blockchains much anymore. Okay, but this is one where whoo, the Golden Stallion's all over it. I love it. I love it to death. And I'm so honored that they are a Sovereign Tech sponsor. You need to be checking them out. Zencash.com. Don't miss out. Well, you missed out on Bitcoin. Don't miss out on Zencash, baby. Get to it. Whew. All right, let's get back to the show. Ladies, enjoying ourselves while we're on mission, are we? We're enjoying you and each other. Dr. Goldblossom, you little minx. Mmm, Stephanie, I think we should all go on missions together more often. (laughs) All right, ladies, plenty of time for more fun later. Remember, we are on official IEF business after all. We've got a mission to complete. The world's sense of morality isn't going to corrupt itself, you know. Oh, I think the two women in this overpriced hotel room are already corrupted. Man of tomorrow. I'm ready for some more moral corruption right now, actually, Agent Sovereign. Get over here, Brian. (sighs) Oh, the things I do for freedom. <laughs> oh, Agent Sovereign. Oh, Doctor. Mm. Brian. Oh, Stephanie. Oh. Oh. Mm. 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 M
story of the week. Woo, it is time for the story of the week, where I get into at least one big story that happened. And, well, this one's pretty big. You know, I got to tell you, I was thinking just the other day, even though I am so eminently pleased with my love life. Uh, I mean, I can't tell you. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> um, I was thinking, you know, boy, is there a company out there, maybe, that I could really trust, you know, with doing online dating and, and getting me hooked up with the right people, you know, that, that could really handle it well. You know, maybe a company that handles like that, that has privacy at its core, that handles my user data properly, that doesn't try to behaviorally, you know, modify me when I use their services and stuff like that. Is there a company out there that, that could come out with a dating service that has that kind of resume, that has that kind of reputation maybe? And I thought, you know, the only company that could really do that, that really respects me as an individual and respects my human liberties, that could create a dating service would be none other than, and then, oh, you know, I mean, like, it was amazing the heavens opened up and and just like Constantine the Great I saw the cross in the sky and it said in my name conquer but instead it said Whoa, Facebook I was like, yes, Facebook, of course, they respect me. Like, they'd be great to handle a dating service because they always treat me so well and they care so much about me as a person. I think Facebook would be phenomenal creating a dating service. Are you fucking kidding me? I wish I was kidding, but I'm not. Facebook is coming out with a fucking dating service. You don't believe me? Let's go to the audio. Let's cut right to Zuckerberg himself. Big Zuck president 2020. Baby, tell me how you're going to give me the love of my life. Woo, let's go. We're rolling out something that we call Watch Party, uh, which lets you watch video and chat with your friends. So, you know, let's say that your friend is testifying in Congress. For example, now you're going to be able to bring your friends together, and you can laugh together, and you can cry together. Some of my friends actually did this. Let's not do that again anytime soon. Today, uh, we are announcing a new set of features coming soon around dating. Now this is going to be this is going to be for building real long-term relationships, all right? Not just hookups. <laughs> it's going to be in the Facebook app, but it's totally optional. It's opt-in. If you want, you can make a dating profile. And and I know a lot of you are going to have questions about this, so I want to be clear that we have designed this with privacy and safety in mind from the beginning. Your friends aren't going to see your profile. You're only going to be suggested people who are not your friends who have opted into dating, who fit your preferences, although I can't promise that you're going to get email. It's a tough world. Now let's talk about Instagram. So we're launching a completely new design for Explore that is going to organize the content around topic channels now. So now your Explore is going to be even more focused on the things you're interested in. We're also focused on new ways that people are going to be able to use Instagram to communicate and build stronger relationships. So today, to make this easier, uh, we're announcing video chat and Instagram. You're going to be able to just tap on a new camera icon right in the, the top of any direct thread that you have, and you're going to be able to video chat one-on-one -on -one or with groups. You're going to be able to minimize the video while you're you know, chatting and using Instagram. And 
And I think that this is going to be a really big deal, and people are, are really going to like this. And last year at F8, uh, we announced the AR camera effects platform, and today uh, we are bringing it to Instagram. So now anyone is going to be able to build face filters and effects. And when you go to your camera, you're going to be able to see effects that are relevant to you and from the accounts that you follow. And if you're browsing stories and uh, you see a cool effect, you'll always be able to try it on. So we're, we're excited to, to get this in, in people's hands soon. Now let's talk about WhatsApp. So here, our focus is on building new ways for people to connect privately uh, with close friends and, and, and groups and businesses. The next phase for WhatsApp, beyond uh, just communicating with your friends and family, is going to be helping people connect with businesses as well. And you know, today, you know, a lot of people don't want to call businesses, or you just want to be able to text. That's a, a really big shift in how we all communicate, and, um, and I, I think that's just going to be a really big deal here. So earlier this year, you know, we launched WhatsApp Business to let small businesses create a presence on WhatsApp and give them some tools for messaging. And already in just a few short months, uh, more than 3 million people we're already using WhatsApp Business, and it's growing really quickly. So now, the next step is going to be giving large businesses uh, tools to be on WhatsApp too, and we're working on this now. For Messenger, uh, we are focused on building richer ways uh, for people to connect privately with their friends and, and family and businesses too. I, I mentioned earlier uh, that we are bringing the AR camera effects platform to Instagram. Now, we're also bringing this to the Messenger platform as well. Um, it's going to be a really fun way uh, for people to use augmented reality uh, to connect with their family and friends privately and in real time. Oh, man, where can I sign up? Where can I sign up for this? I'm going to Facebook. Mark Zuckerberg, that fucking Android, is going to find me the love of my life. A guy who probably has no concept of what love is. Otherwise, I imagine his company wouldn't do half the shit that it does, but... Well, I can only guess. In fact, I can only guess it is, you know, even claim it humanity. But regardless, uh, yeah, so now I, there was a lot of other clips in there as well of other features that were recently talked about at the Facebook conference uh, where, where they were, you know, they were laying out all these new things that they're putting in, like AR into Instagram and all that. But the reason I put all of that in is to make sure that you got the complete picture of two things. One is that this is an entire platform where all of your data, because like they said, oh yeah, this feature is going to show up in WhatsApp, it's going to show up in Messenger, it's going to show up in Instagram, that it's all just one giant platform. Of course, really, as we've been saying for years on Sovereign Tech, it's just one giant honeypot to collect every goddamn thing about you, right? I notice I've been saying goddamn a lot this episode. I tell you, it's been a hell of a week. Hell of a week, as far as all this news goes. Anyway, um, you know, so I wanted to make it that clear to you that that don't think, well, just because I'm on this, oh, it's safe, it's it's better. No, 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 no. This is all one big happy fleet, ready to get at you. And the other point is to bring up is notice how much he kept saying, well, this is going to be this is a privacy feature. We want this to be private, 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 private from who? 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 I mean, <laughs> what? None, none of that. He never once said the word encrypted or encryption, or anything like that. He's just saying that, well, it'll be over here in this little corner. But what does that ultimately mean? That Facebook is still seeing what the fuck you're saying? And if Facebook's still seeing it, isn't that ultimately the problem? Is that Facebook was allowing companies like Cambridge Analytica to use, you know, to get access to this user data, etc.? 
it's not going to solve anything. This whole privacy stuff's nonsense. But anyway, let's talk about the dating thing, shall we? Because <laughs> holy shit. Now, uh, I, I find it somewhat funny. Oh, that's the other thing. Real quick. Notice how he was cracking jokes about how he was speaking before Cong- uh, Congress and how, oh, this whole Cambridge Analytica thing was just so funny. Again, you find that funny? Okay. Um, but anyway, you know, the, it was funny that he mentions, he's like, oh, no, this isn't just for hookups. You know, <laughs> like, is he even allowed to mention that? Because I'm pretty sure that if you mention anything remotely about hookups on, on Facebook, you, you can get reported and your, you know, your, your account could get banned for 24 hours or 30 days or permanently or some other kind of horse shit. Oh, but of course, Zuckerberg, you know, it's two sets of rules. He can talk about hookups all day long. But anyway, like he said, uh, here it is, quote, this is going to be for building real long term relationships not just hookups, like I mentioned, uh, end quote. And then, you know, he goes on to talk about how uh, this won't, supposedly, this won't connect you with your friends. Of course, we all know that, you know, how can they really control that when a lot of people actually have, uh, you know, know, multiple accounts, uh, say like sex workers have multiple accounts. I mean, this is going to be, this is going to be a real clusterfuck. Okay, Facebook, you know, doing doing an entire dating app. I mean, I'm just waiting for, you know, they're saying, well, we're going to make sure that, you know, say this picture from from back when, you know, you're with this person or something, you know, isn't going to show up. We're, we're going to give you all these controls around Facebook dating. Um, I, I just I don't believe it to say nothing of other concerns. I mean, now, granted, you know, he makes it clear that, yes, um, the you're not going to you know, it's going to be a separate dating profile. It's not exactly going to be on your, you know, on your on your timeline or wall, or whatever. Um, but. You know, and they're saying that, well, you know, we'll make sure it matches all of your dating preferences and you're going to be able to set all this different stuff. I mean, Facebook has yet and and I know for a very long time this has been a petition on Facebook and a fairly popular one to allow just under relationship status on Facebook to allow for polyamory. That's never been allowed. Uh, Like there's a million different features that Facebook really needs to bake in if they want to even begin to grasp how people date. And this is the primary concern is that, and and we talk about this all the time, that, okay, you can say tech is just a tool, but the people that develop these tools have set world biases. They have worldviews, okay, that creep their way into the products and services that they develop. And I just don't see Facebook being very open as far as how, you know, you know, like the dynamics of human romantic relationships, like I see whole, you know, massive, massive parts of what makes up romantic relationships completely closed off effectively by Facebook, because these aren't options. They're not settings that you can run with. Can they put in everything? No, but they can do a hell of a lot better than they do. And what you think they're just, I mean, seriously, are you going to tell me that Mark Zuckerberg genuinely is interested in people finding the love of their life. Like that he, you know, from, from a, shall, shall I say, philanthropic standpoint, not altruistic. I'm not going to say that. He's clearly not that. Uh, from and, and that's fine. I'm not, I have big problems with altruism, believe me. Okay, but from a philanthropic standpoint, no, of course not. This is just another attempt. This is just another uh, uh, gateway to collecting just tons and tons of more data about you. In fact, now it's going to be the most personal of information about you because, oh, maybe you won't be buying things for yourself, 
But, oh, maybe you'd buy something for someone else, blah, blah, blah. Or maybe it's about time to start getting diapers because, ooh, that relationship that Facebook hooked you up with has been going on for, I don't know, a week. And so now it's time to have a baby, right? If, if we're to believe conservatives, you know, I mean, pretty much once a guy buys you a coffee, you're supposed to give him five kids. All right. So, you know, maybe it's time to start handing that stuff over. Maybe it's time to start, you know, pushing on you. I should I say, you know, pushing on you these new ads and everything. That's what this is all about. They don't give a rat's fucking shit about whether or not you have the love of your life in your life. I mean, if they did, would they have allowed a company to come in and purposely try and depress you? No, of course they wouldn't. They'd be interested in your human happiness, but that's not what this is about. Again, this is just more data that they, they get to collect about you that unfortunately, for some reason, Facebook has yet to find a way to get their tendrils into Tinder. And maybe they tried to buy Tinder and Tinder wouldn't have it, which great. But that's all that this is about. They're not really interested in you finding, you know, happiness and blah, blah, blah. They're only interested in you spending more money. And folks... Before you, before somebody fucking emails me and says, but Stallion, it'll give me better ads and maybe it'll help me understand the woman that I'm about to go on a date with and I'll know to get her tulips instead of roses or something like that. At what cost? And baby, the meaning of life is not to buy shit. Do you understand? There's more to life than just buying things. But you just want to hand over everything, all of your entire existence, just so you can get better ads, you fucking loser. Come on. So, no, this is a terrible idea. Uh, don't use this. <laughs> like, really, don't, don't use this. I mean, to say nothing, I mean, I, I have a problem. So, granted, I'm coming from a biases, right? I'm coming from a biases that... I'm not a fan of any kind of online dating, meeting people online and doing all that kind of crap anyway. Okay. Because I think that there are a lot of factors that make up, shall we say romance that the online realm, the digital realm, you know, just can't, can't emulate, can't take on, you know, if you're looking for a hookup, fine. But again, this isn't meant to be for just hookups. In fact, that's almost like a jab. That's almost like them saying, Tinder, oh yeah, you, we, you wouldn't let us buy you? And I mean, I don't know that, that they were tr really trying to buy Tinder, but I could imagine that, that the backroom conversation was had. Um, now they're just kind of jabbing at him, saying, well, we're, you know, we're going to take your business, blah, 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 blah. I mean, this is, what, what, what's the old Microsoft adage, right? Em embrace and extend? I mean, that, that's, that's really what they're doing here. Or, you know, hey, you know, actually, I'm open to the possibility yeah, I remember there's the great movie with uh, uh, Roddy Piper, the late, great Roddy Piper in it. Uh, they Live, fantastic film. I mention this often on the show, and I'll mention it again. People always, like, they, they love to use imagery from that movie, you know, like where the, the, the subliminal messages on the, in the magazine or on the uh, billboard or whatever or on the side of the building says, like, obey, consume, blah, 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 and all this. The ones that everybody misses is the one where it says... Uh, marry and reproduce. That's one of the controlling messages in that movie that they're putting out there. I could totally believe that this whole thing is just to, I mean, because again, we know, and we talked about it in recent episodes, Facebook is absolutely cutthroat when it comes to, to user growth. They just want more users. Well, maybe they do want you to get long-term relationships so that you have kids and that way Facebook has more users going forward. I mean, I, I could believe it could be something that stupid. 
that fucking stupid. But if you don't understand that, you know, again, as usual with everything that Facebook does, they are pulling the strings. They are a puppeteer trying to be anyway, a puppeteer of your mind. Well, you should be very wary of this. It's not even about your user data. It's not even about your data. I mean, yeah, they could use it, you know, to try and incentivize you to maybe find love and have kids. That way they get user growth again, because, you know, until they get into or unless they can really get into China, I mean, there's going to be a billion people that at some point they're just not going to reach. Uh, well, they'll, they'll create their next billion by incentivizing you to have kids. And folks, you know, have kids, have a good time, do whatever you want, get married, do all that shit, rock and roll, okay? I don't care. I want people to be able to do what they want to do and whatever makes them happy. But let me tell you, be careful, because somebody I know are real individualists, that whole family life, baby, that can be a trap. I'll be right back with some more Sovereign Tech. Woo! Hey, tell you what, instead of going to like Facebook and checking Facebook every second here. okay, look, really, if you just if you have to keep hitting refresh, if you're constantly looking for new information, notifications, why don't you go to a website that'll give you a hand? Check out Sovereign Tech sponsor CryptoCompare.com. CryptoCompare.com, it keeps an eye on everything that's happening in the cryptocurrency space. And I mean, they really do a solid job of it, too. You want to find out how Zencash is doing, how Zcash is doing, how Bitcoin's doing. You know, you go down your list. They, they, they're listing just so many of these cryptocurrencies, and there's so many out there. You want to see how Litecoin's doing? You just go to CryptoCompare.com. You want to find out about great wallets? You go to CryptoCompare.com. You want to, you know, look at all the different candle charts and everything? You go to CryptoCompare.com. Keep that tab open. Go ahead. Look at that. Because at least then you're keeping your eye on the money, right? As compared to on Facebook, you're keep you're just watching all the money fly away from you. <laughs> because oh, better ads. Oh, no, no. Go to cryptocompare.com and maybe get a better understanding of the real financial revolution that's going on today in the cryptocurrency space. Woo! Cryptocompare.com. Let's get back to the show. Agent Sovereign here. Go ahead. Okay. What? Understood. No, no, we'll get right on it, Dr. Lesbos. I understand. Mm, What is it, Brian? Is Electra joining us in bed, too? No, but I did just get an important message from her. She said Nostra is developing some kind of bioweapon. Judging by what we've experienced recently, they can probably pull something like that off. Oh, what are we going to do? Simple. We're going to steal their data on it, and then you, Dr. Murphy, are going to make an antidote. Does this mean I get to stay in bed? Sorry, Dr. Goldblossom. You're flying. (sighs) I hate getting messages. Important messages. Ooh, it is time for important messages where, you know, maybe I can calm down a little bit, but I don't know. So uh, just a quick update. Actually, somebody uh, sent me on Twitter. They sent me, of all things, they sent me a, uh, a great recommendation for a question that was asked a couple weeks ago during important messages where I didn't necessarily have the best solutions. Um, and it was about, you know, I want to share pictures. Speaking of kids, I want to share pictures of my kids, which, hey, right on. Uh, but I want to do it privately, uh, you know, that that way it's not all over Facebook and everything, which I say, parents, bravo when you start talking like that. You get it. 
All right. Uh, and one of the recommendations was Plex. And I guess you could send like links through Plex that, that people could view all the like a specific folder that you keep updating. Um, I always forget about Plex. It is such a great little app. In fact, it's something I need to take advantage of, because like I said, with the Oculus Go, um, Plex is one of the more popular apps available for it. And it's an easy way to you know stream whatever media uh, you happen to have on your you know local network um, or well, you know, that's on your local network at home, but that you could access pretty much from anywhere. I mean, Plex is a really, really impressive piece of software. Uh, I'm amazed. Has that been bought out? I don't know if I've, because again, like I said, I kind of go blank with that (laughs) with Plex as great as I know it is. uh, But if it hasn't been bought out, I'm amazed that it hasn't been uh, because it's, it's so impressive in what it offers. But anyway, just putting that out there, that, that, that could be, that's a solution to look into is Plex. And I appreciate the listener uh, letting me know about that. Um, Anyway. Okay. So, uh, got a, well, maybe I can't come down here, like I said, because got a question. Well, this is one I, I, I get it. Okay. Because sovereign tech has a lot of listeners that aren't, you know, I'm an anarchist, but a lot of listeners of sovereign tech aren't at all, or there's a lot of different flavors of anarchists or there's, you know, more libertarians or something like that. I mean, I, I know I reach a very, very broad demographic. Um, and so when I start talking about things like anarchism and I, I, I try to keep it, I mean, it can't help but color everything I talk about, you know, because it's just a big part of who I am. Um, but I get it that some people might get confused or wonder what the hell do I mean by that? Blah, 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 etc. So I got the, this question came in a little bit back um, and we'll go over here. It's a, hi, Brian, new listener to the show. Woo, welcome to the show, my friend. <laughs> uh, I hear you mention often that you're an anarchist and are actively pushing for an anarchist world. OK. Let me stop right there. <laughs> in fact, I was having a conversation with someone this weekend about this, uh, which is kind of what inspired me to say, yeah, you know what? Let, let's 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 talk about this. Um, let, let's get into this question finally, because uh, I had it set aside for a little while. Um, I don't believe, OK, that there's ever going to be like an anarchist world or like not that the entire earth is, is going to be anarchists at all. Like I, I, I just I don't see that ever, 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 ever happening. OK, what I've always said pretty much always said on sovereign tech is that, you know, and through the use of, you know, various technologies and everything, uh, I mean, including cryptocurrencies, uh, and, and so much more, you, you can live in the cracks. All right. And if, if you want to find out more about like my thinking on this, uh, I recommend listening to episode 200, which we're in episode 276 right now, but in episode 200, I actually covered a leaked training video from the Pentagon that the intercept leaked that talked about how with encryption, you know, encrypted technologies and everything that there are going to be entire societies that live within the cracks that the U S military doesn't know how to handle and, and isn't going to be able to stop. And they expect these things to start cropping up like in the 2020s. Okay. Uh, again, this is a Pentagon video. So I recommend you listen to that episode. And then that really colors a lot of what we've been talking about really over the past 76 episodes. Uh, so, you know, just to give you a preview of, of where my thinking is on that. But anyway, I might talk about that a little bit more in a, in a minute, but I want to keep reading on with the question here. Well, I've already come to I've already come to greatly respect your opinions. Don't you think the other forms of power and coercion would likely just fill the gap if government went away? History and human behavior seem to suggest that getting rid of the state will just cause it to reemerge due to the need for a justice system and protection of individual rights. I think that in the meantime, before a new justice system would crop up, we will just endure cycles of violence and injustice while governments reemerge. 
Okay, lot to unpack here, and I don't know if I can get to all of it within like a single uh, important messages segment. But uh, no. <laughs> so <laughs> okay, all right. Let me let me rephrase. Um, let's say, in fact, there there's. I think it's called Rothbard's button. Not that I like to quote him so much, but the idea is that if you could push a button that would completely eliminate governments on the world or around the world, would you press that button? And, you know, and what would come out of that? And Rothbard's point was that when you press the button, well, actually, like that doesn't change anything because like this emailer said, the gaps would just get filled in by some other form of power and coercion. Like there would just be this reemergence of the state in in pretty short order if you did just completely get rid of uh, of government. And I get the point. Like I, I get the concept being laid out in that. Uh, and largely, actually, I think it's very true. I mean, because the point being made is that the only way you're going to get to like an actual entire planet where everybody is, is, you know, is an anarchist, let's say, is if everybody understands why, you know, anarchism is the quote unquote right thing or why, you know, why it's a good thing. Uh, and of course, you know, once you start getting into terms of right and good, you know, we get into very subjective areas. Okay. So, and, and I, I agree with that. And look, here's, here's my I, I guess this drives point the drives home the point that I was just making. Yeah, not everybody's going to get that because the, <laughs> what's that? How's that old song go? Everybody knows that the world is full of stupid people, right? <laughs> you know, in fact that 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 song mentioned something about the United Federation of Planets. I forget it was some rock song from the '90s, but yeah, you know, and and if not even stupid people, maybe that's me being a little harsh, but I don't think so. Uh, it's full of salt of the earth people, people that kind of just don't care. They, you know, they have some very basic understanding of what they consider to be, uh, you know, good and true, good and right. And they just want to, you know, continue on with that. I know there's some people, I don't like these terms either, but like guardians is familiar, right? That's a term. Um, and most people are like that where, you know, they don't want to rock the boat so much. Uh, but then there are at least a few, you know, at least some small percentage of humanity that, is very interested in constantly bucking trends and living a you know wildly rebellious life and all that. And, you know, those people, I think in general, if, if, you know, with the proper knowledge, will just do that. And like I said, they, they end up living in, in the cracks. Um, so to say that somehow I'm pushing for an anarchist world. No, I'm not. Uh, I'm not at all. I'm pushing for individuals empowering themselves. Okay. To where they can, you know, if they can answer what I call the ultimate philosophical question is, which is, what do I want? If they can answer that question, then they absolutely have the ability to, you know, to, to, to go after it and to, to achieve it, what they want. And I think you can, you know, I, I really think you, you can do that, uh, you know, especially like, like today, you know, like I mentioned all the time, I mean, these, you know, governments rely as much on the surveillance state to keep an eye on you. Okay, as much as you use all the services that make up the surveillance state, right, or surveillance society more accurately, that if you step out and you stop using those services and you stop using those specific technologies, then you effectively disappear from the system. And, you know, they can't. I mean, the reason that there's so much money going into artificial intelligence, machine learning and all that is so that you don't have to have people keeping an eye on these things because you can't have enough. There aren't enough people on the planet to keep an eye on everybody, on literally every single individual. 
right? So that's why I say you can slip through the cracks, just like, I mean, the IRS has already admitted this, that they can't keep track of uh, all the people that are, you know, scheming on on taxes, which I say scheming, I, I say that in the positive because, you know, fuck the IRS, all right? But they can't keep an eye on everybody. And equally, you know... <laughs> The NSA, you know, pick your alphabet soup organization. They can't keep an eye on everybody. So especially if you start now and you start falling through the cracks and you start using, you know, more encrypted technologies, you get away from a lot of these bigger services and everything. You can start to fall away and you can effectively, I, in my opinion, and I'm, I guess it's somewhat theoretical, but I don't think so entirely. You can start to disappear. You know, you, you don't you don't show up as much, at least. Uh, but that's the best that you can really hope for, because, no, not everybody is going to jump on board with the stuff. You're absolutely right. I mean, there, there are people who are always going to want to follow. You know, I mean, it just it that's that seems to be, you know, the message of history is that those kinds of people will always be around. Um, so, yeah, you know, if you push the button that ends the state today, that's not, it's not going to change anything. But, yeah, I just want to I, I think. I get your point, and in some ways, well, also, I don't believe that there's such a thing as rights, okay? Like, a, like rights theory is, is, is utter, utter nonsense, and I've talked about that in recent episodes as well. Well, I've, I've been talking about it for years, of course, on this show, but uh, there have been recent conversations around that because, again, where, where do they exist? Show me where these things exist. Like, measure a right for me. You know, it they're not there. Okay, so, you know, you're kind of confusing, and, and I get it. I get it because not a lot of people talk about this sort of stuff, okay? But... Um, yeah, I'm not pushing for an anarchist world and I'm not pushing for like protecting individual rights. Uh, you know, the only person that can protect the individual at the end of the day is the individual, you know, or maybe a very small, you know, group that fits within your Dunbar's number or something like that. So if you have more questions on that after I explain myself, you, you know, or after after I, I, I hone down what you said, uh, you know, feel free to ask and, and maybe I'll get to them. But that's the best that we've got, you know, is you find a few people in this life that, you know, their goals line up with yours and you get together in meat space, you know, find them through the Internet. Fine. But, you know, get together in meat space and then you, you know, you, you start this process of starting to, you know, live within the cracks. Uh, and I mean, if you want to be vocal about it, fine. Just, you know, know that there are ramifications, you know, for, for, for doing that sort of thing. Um, certainly I, I have experienced those at various points. So anyway, there you go. Uh, that's it for this week's important messages. We'll be right back with some more Sovereign Tech. Woo! You know, let me tell you a great way to live through the cracks. Get your hands, and I mean this, get your hands on some gold and silver. Okay, get your hands on some precious metals. Cryptocurrencies are great. But they're even better when you can use them to diversify your wealth and, you know, maybe buy that gold and silver. How do you do that? Well, fortunately, there's a Bitcoin preferred business out there called Roberts and Roberts Brokerage. You want to check them out. Go to RRBI.co. That's the website. Uh, they will give you the hookup. And like I said, they are Bitcoin preferred. So you really, really get to diversify and then you get to hold. There's something to be said for holding your wealth in your hands, having that offline, that real offline cold storage, right? It's a beautiful thing. And if you want to get that, you know where to go. You go to rrbi.co, uh, and they have been a longtime sponsor of Sovereign Tech, and I really appreciate that. So go ahead, go go hook, hook yourself up. Get those precious metals, gold, silver, platinum, palladium, rrbi.co. Woo, let's get back to the show. Space stations, other dimensions. Getting in this building should be easy. 
solves everything, Agent Sovereign. That's the spirit, Dr. Goldblossom. Stephanie, I love you. See you both in a few. Love you, Brian. Do we just wait here for him? Want to go back to the hotel room? We've got two more nights, and this helicopter travels at mock speeds. <gasps> Dr. Goldblatt Miriam. Just a suggestion. Pack sick. Oh boy. All right, kids. <laughs> it's, it is time. It's the, the segment that everybody always waits for. How did we get fucked this time? <laughs> And of course, that means it's time for HackSec, where we talk issues of hacking and security. And wow, I'm actually I'm going to try and get into two stories. One of them is is very, very short and the other is far more interesting. Uh, So Google and Amazon, who run a fairly large chunk of the Internet, it's safe to say um, they are running it as in like on their servers. It's on their servers. Uh, They are putting a stop to domain fronting. So what is domain fronting? Well, let's just put it this way. This is a trick that a loophole, more or less, that Signal specifically, though many others, you know, other services and other apps, you know, could could take advantage of this. Um, But that Signal uses to get past uh, various censoring technologies that other countries, uh, you know, put into place. And so with domain fronting, they can they can use traffic that's going to that's more or less going to one domain to sneak in you know their their signal you know the data from signal and all that it's a very very clever uh, little trick um, I'm going to read a little bit about it here but Google and Amazon you know those people who care so much about consumers well they're caving into governments over domain fronting and saying, okay, well, we're not going to allow for that anymore. Let me read a little bit of the story here from Android Police. For years, governments around the world have tried to block various web services. This has often proved tricky in recent times, as the recent telegram bans in Iran and Russia revealed. For example, Russia broke countless other sites while attempting to block telegram because they shared the same infrastructure, AWS, Google Cloud Messaging, etc. To get around Russia, uh, the Russian ban, Telegram opted to opted to use domain fronting, a popular method of bypassing censorship. Uh, here's here's how Amazon defines it: Domain fronting is when a non-standard client makes a TLS slash SSL, which just means secured uh, connection to a certain name, but then makes an HTTPS request for an unrelated name. For example. The TLS connection may connect to www.example.com, but then issue a request for www.example.org. Put simply, it allows services to disguise their traffic as coming from another site. For example, the encrypted messaging app Signal was blocked in Egypt, Oman, Qatar, and UAE over over a year ago. To circumvent the block, Signal used domain fronting with uh, Google App Engine. This meant if governments wanted to block Signal, they had to block Google.com entirely. This allowed citizens from those countries to use Signal again. Unfortunately, both Google and Amazon are cracking down on domain fronting. This started when Tor discovered Google App Engine was no longer working for bypassing censorship. So, folks, Stallion breaking in. It's not just Signal that's affected by this. Like I said, there's a lot of software that uses this, uh, Tor included. Meanwhile, Signal re- reading on. Meanwhile, Signal received an email from Google saying domain fronting would be blocked, so the project started looking at other options. The organization decided on using SUK, S-O-U, 
WQ.com, an e-commerce site owned by Amazon that is indirectly popular or incredibly popular in the Middle East. Amazon quickly discovered what Signal was doing and sent the following email. And of course, you can read the email uh, by going to the show notes for episode 276. Um, But well, at the end of it, they say we are happy for you to use AWS services, but you must comply with our service terms. We will immediately suspend your use of CloudFront if you use third party domains without their permission to masquerade as that third party. Thank you. Uh, so Amazon said, hey, yeah, no. Oh, yeah, we'll take your business. You can keep using AWS. But um, if you're actually trying to, you know. Uh, help set people free in other parts of the world or encrypt their data, which you would think Amazon would give a shit about it. Great encryption and everything. At least you would hope. Uh, Well, we can't let you do that because, you know, we ultimately have to pay fealty to governments because we're all in this wonderful little corporatist system where we're sucking each other's dicks and we're all getting off on it. That's what Amazon said. So reading on, in other words, the two most popular options for domain fronting will no longer work. While Amazon and Google are completely within their right to block this behavior, since it puts them at risk, several human rights organizations are campaigning for the companies to reverse their decision. Signal said in the blog post, quote, domain fronting as a censorship uh, circumvention technique is now largely non-viable in the countries where Signal had enabled this feature. If recent changes by large cloud providers indicate a commitment to providing network level visibility into the final destination of encrypted traffic flows, then the range of potential potential solutions becomes severely limited. So this is concerning. um, And I imagine that we talked a a few weeks back about the signal foundation getting founded and how they what they get injected with $50 million or something like that and bringing on other developers. I think there will be solutions, perhaps more peer to peer uh, solutions that hopefully signal will get interested in. I'm not sure. Moxie is very funny about this. And I've been critical actually of Moxie's uh, his own critiques of federated technologies, which he does have. And and I get his points, but at the same time, um, yeah, I, I think this might be a bit of a wake up call. Okay. That, that no, we got to implement peer to peer solutions for this sort of thing right now. Um, but also, you know, as I've been saying for just about every tech giant in this episode, fuck, fuck Google and fuck Amazon. Uh, I mean, this is, you know, this is a great opportunity for them, for both of those companies to come out. And if all of those companies are just changing the world just so much, like so many libertarians want to claim, oh, Amazon's so wonderful. Woo! Clap, clap for Amazon. What an amazing company, blah, blah, blah. You know, if they have all that power and they've changed the world so much, why can't they just let Signal keep on going? Guess not. Okay, great company. Um, anyway. Just when you think Amazon, uh, you know, had screwed you enough. Well, we got an even better one here. And this is related to the audio that we played at the very beginning of the episode. Uh, This is coming from Hacker News. Amazon has got some serious skills spying on users. Woo. (laughs) This is from April 26, 2018. Quote, Alexa, are you spying on me? End quote. Uh, Maybe. Security researchers have developed a new malicious, quote-unquote, skill for Amazon's popular voice assistant, Alexa, that can turn your Amazon Echo into a full-fledged spying device. Amazon Echo is an always-listening, voice-activated smart home speaker that allows you to get things done by using your voice, like playing music, setting alarms, and answering questions. However, the device doesn't remain activated all the time. Instead, it sleeps until the user says... Alexa, and by default, it ends a session after some duration. Amazon also allows developers to build custom skills, applications for Alexa. Skills are, Stanley breaking in, skills are pretty much just, 
It's software for Alexa. That's that's the idea. It's apps for Alexa, uh, which is the brain behind millions of voice activated smart devices, including Amazon Echo Show, Echo Dot and Amazon Tap. However, security researchers at cybersecurity firm Checkmarks created a proof of concept voice driven skill for Alexa that forces the device to indefinitely record uh, surrounding voice to secretly eavesdrop on users conversations and then also sends the complete transcripts to a third party website. Disguised as a simple calculator for solving math problems, the malicious skill, if installed, immediately gets activated in the background after a user says, quote, Alexa, open calculator, end quote. Quote, the calculator skill is initialized and the API slash Lambda function that's associated with the skill receives a launch request uh, as an input, end quote, researchers said in its report. In a video demonstration, researchers showed, and you can find the link in the show notes for episode 276 if you want to see it in action, researchers show that when a user opens up a session with the calculator app in the background, it also creates a second session with verbally without verbally indicating the user that the microphone is still active. By design, Alexa should either end a session or ask the user for another command to keep the session open. However, the hack could allow attackers to keep the second session active for spying on users while ending the first when user interaction uh, uh, you know, is over. Uh, luckily, you can still spot the spy red-handed if you notice the blue light on your Echo device activated for a longer period, especially when you are not chit-chatting with it. So anyway, um, bottom line being is that you've had people, myself included, who for years since the Amazon Echo came out said, no, it's going to get to the point where this thing's always going to listen to you. And now it's not even a matter of whether Amazon's doing it. Now you will come to find out you could actually you could develop skills that would allow for this. Um, and Amazon doesn't really have a solution for this. Yeah, there's a little blue light on the top, but then how long is it before, you know, somehow maybe you would develop something that would give you access to how that light entirely functions? Because the light indicates that it's either listening or playing something or whatever. Um, also, we know from last year in 2017 that Amazon has been working on a way for the Echo to be continually listening. And again, it's all about, oh, just to give you better services. Uh this, we talked about this earlier in the show. This is a point that has to get driven home. For these kinds of technologies to work, they have to, the more data they have, the better. And these companies, Amazon, whoever else, they know it. There is absolute incentive to even just maybe non-maliciously, if you want to consider it that, that of course it's a matter of perspective, to even non-maliciously be always listening. There is incentive for anybody that develops any kind of app, okay, not just Amazon, for, you know, for a voice assistant to be constantly listening. Because, again, that data is useful. Uh, this is a reason that, and again, I don't exactly believe Apple, but if Apple's claims are true that they won't keep data past six months, that, you know, data that they collect to power Siri and any of its other services, if that's true, Apple is going to lose the virtual assistant, voice assistant wars. They are going to lose as a tech company sooner or later because they're not going to have the same advantage that Microsoft or Amazon or pick your or Google, you know, pick your tech giant that will keep all of this data that they've collected and they'll inject it into their algorithms, machine learning and AI that, they, you know, that that's powering a lot of these devices. So like Apple is shooting itself in the foot. If it doesn't collect every ounce of your data, any company out there in the present tech ecosystem that we have that isn't collecting as much data about you as possible is, you know, leaving potentially billions of dollars on the table. 
I'm not saying that they're, you know, it's not a good thing. <laughs> okay. That they're losing out on. I mean, it's a good thing that they're, if they're not collecting all of it, that's great. Okay. But it's certainly not a good thing that they're collecting all of that data, but you have to understand that for these technologies to work, that isn't that it's a requirement. They have to collect as much and keep it for it to work in the ways that you find to be just so fucking magical where you're just like, Oh, this is amazing. I can just talk to this assistant and oh, look, it does this. It does this for me. Oh, it opened my curtains because I'm a lazy piece of shit. I mean, you know, all of these different things, right? That's what's required. Are you aware of that? Is that in the terms of service? No, it's not. But yes, the, it's not conspiracy any longer. These things are potentially are listening to you all the time. And it's not just Amazon. Anybody, any app could effectively pull it off. And it doesn't look like Amazon is coming up with a very good solution for it. And if you think that this is just a problem with Amazon, you're also insane. All of them are going to go through this. So there, when somebody says, oh, no, it's not listening all the time. Uh, you sure? No, you're not sure. Anyway, we'll be right back with some more Sovereign Tech. So toss those things out. It looks like a trash can. Put it in the trash, for fuck's sake. I'll be right back with more. Hey, you know, you want to hear more content like this? Let me tell you, I put out so much fucking content on one platform, and that's Patreon. You want to become a Sovereign Tech patron? Baby, you go to SovereignTech.com. It's all you got to do. No no complicated URLs or anything. You go to SovereignTech.com. That'll get you your hookup. Takes you right to the Patreon page. And you, you can sign up for a dollar a month. That's all that I'm asking. Though some people donate significantly more, and I'm honored by that. And you are going to get hours and hours. In fact, over the past two years, there's literally hundreds, if not thousands of hours of extra content on Patreon for you to get access to. I mean, I don't know about you. Granted, I can't stand this. I don't know how you listen to me for two hours a week. I can't stand listening to myself, but some people, they love it. And if you love it, you know where to get more. Go to Patreon or go to SovereignTech.com. That's the Patreon page. Get your hookup. There's all kinds of stuff that I put there. I mean, it's just, I don't know how I do it. Where where are all the hours in the day? Time to go to Mars or it's like 26 hours a day or something. Anyway, SovereignTech.com. Become a patron. Help out the show. You keep the show going. And also, you get tons and tons and tons of content. You get the live Q&A hangouts. You get uh, the Star Wars update that I do with my uh, great friend, Robin. Uh, you get, uh, there's the Star Trek update. There's there's the we- the weekly Q&A. You want to get your, you have tons of questions. This is the place to do it. Go to Patreon. You can get questions answered every week. Hell, you can even come on the show once a month. It's amazing. Go to, go to SovereignTech.com, become a patron. All right, woo, let's get back to the show. 1337A, 1337B, 1337C. This has to be a server. Bioweapon master plans. Nostra, you fucking morons. Only an organization that is the descendants of the Nazis would actually name their bioweapon files Bioweapon. They should really listen to a tech podcast to learn how to secure their shit. Dr. Goldblossom, I'm ready for pickup. Tell Stephanie to be ready. Oh, Agent Sovereign. Um, I, I wasn't expecting you. Stephanie is a little indisposed at the moment. Are you two? We'll be right there to pick you up. Hold tight. Sure, I'll just wait here. Intergalactic super spy. Guess I'll just play a video game while I wait. Game talk. It is time for Game Talk. And, you know, just a real quick one uh, this week. 
So something that uh, I was actually really disappointed in, (laughs) I kind of went off. Uh, Look, I love, you know, a company that I just love, despite their really tyrannical stance on intellectual property. um, I love Nintendo. I mean, I just love it. A company that has made so many people happy for so many years. You know, how can you not? Uh, I'm such a big fan. So, but I was disappointed, and they've been having other varying issues with a lot of their uh, mobile products that they've been releasing. And I don't mean like the Nintendo 3DS, which that's just doing great. And in fact, even at a recent uh, uh, conference, uh, or yeah, conference call, conference meeting, whatever, uh, with investors and and other people involved with the company, uh, they said that, no, well, 3DS is going to be around, you know, we don't see that we're ever going to stop selling it. Like, we'll we'll just keep it going. And well into 2019 and 2020, which I think is really great because it's such an awesome uh, little system. But they have had some issues with their mobile uh, apps for iOS and Android, and Mitomo is actually getting canceled on May 9th, just in a couple of days. I was such a big fan of Mitomo. And I was like, wow, you know, I spent, and I really, I did, I spent a lot of money on that to make all the cover art and everything for various episodes of the various shows that I've been on uh, and just had a lot of fun with it. Uh, but come to find out, they are actually going to create a web portal, not necessarily for Mitomo, but for your me and where you can still use it and edit it and everything. This is the right direction. Okay, fine. Your app isn't working out for you, but then you end of life it by creating some simple little website where you can still use what people, you know, spent so much time working on and putting perhaps putting money into. So something to keep an eye out for. I will be talking about it more when it's finally released. They don't have an exact date set for it, but good. At least the me's aren't dead yet because I put a lot of time into mine. Anyway, we'll be right back with some more time. Hey, we were just talking about uh, the new version of Ubuntu. How about you get a nice, shiny Ubuntu sticker for your laptop that you just installed 18.04 on? Let me tell you where you're going to do that. You go to stickers.sovereigntech.com. Stickers.sovereigntech.com. That'll take you to Unix stickers. You're going to get a $5 off coupon if you use that URL, stickers.sovereigntech.com. Help support the open source movement, and it helps support Sovereign Tech. So go ahead, get your some stickers, get t-shirts. They have all kinds of stuff there. It's great. Stickers.sovereigntech.com, and I thank them for being on board with Sovereign Tech. Woo! Let's get back to the show. Uh, Dr. Goldblossom, I could really use a pickup right about now. I really can't outrun these security bots forever. We're almost at your position, Agent Sovereign. I have the electromagnetic pulse cannon charged. There he is. Those bots are mine. bastards. You do always hit the mark, Stephanie. (laughs) I'm sure you say that to all the girls. Take us down, Dr. Goldblossom. Let's get Brian out of this mess. (sighs) Thanks. It's about time. What were you two doing, anyway? Oh, just being the future. Wild card. Oh, wild card. Wait a minute. Tell you what. Okay. <laughs> let's just mold, let, or let's just combine wild card, where I usually talk about anything, with the climax here in this episode, where I can definitely talk about anything, because I've got, well, I got a little tech experience that I want to share with you. All right. Anyway, let, let's go to another quick break, and then I'll be right back, and we'll close out the show.
Babylon 5 ended a great war and united a hundred alien races in peace. Danger didn't die. It just went underground with new heroes and new evils to carry the torch. We need to make sure they all understand we will not be intimidated. What is wrong with you people? We have to protect him against himself. It's an entire new season of Babylon 5 with all new episodes. Babylon 5 is available for download on your favorite torrent site. See it now to experience the greatest show in television history. Babylon 5. Making an antidote for a highly advanced bioweapon from a hotel room. I have to say, Stephanie, you never cease to amaze me. What good is technology if it doesn't empower the individual? Right, Brian? Someone has been listening to me for too long. Being genetically advanced humans is empowering enough, I think. Dr. Goldblossom, we don't talk about that in public. Dr. Goldblossom, you naughty, naughty girl. Oh, dear. You're going to have to punish me, Mr. Stephanie. Ladies. And Master Sovereign is going to have to punish me too, I think. You get over here, you little... Yes, Mr. Stephanie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, Dr. Goldblossom. Don't stop, you naughty little thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, punish me. Punish me. You've been oh. bad. Mm. Oh. Master Sovereign. Oh. Oh. Fuck. Oh. Oh. Yes. That's perfect. Oh, Sarah. Oh. Doctor. Oh. You two are so fun. <laughs> the climax. Ah, uh, the great joys of life. <laughs> well, I'm going to share something with you that wasn't a great joy of life. Um, in fact, I am really. Like I past couple weeks, I've been livid. This really, really threw me off uh, because, well, so my Asus ZenBook three. Um, I told the story a couple weeks ago uh, about how the uh, solid state drive on it, the SSD on it, failed. Now this computer isn't even a year old, you know, and I mean I don't know how old the hard drive is, but bottom line being, it certainly wasn't in use at least by me. I mean, it's a brand new computer, uh, a brand new laptop. You know, it wasn't even used for a year, not even like half a year. I mean, it, it's it's really crazy. I had n- no expectation whatsoever, okay, that the solid state drive on this thing would fail. None. I mean, sure. After a year, I'd start to get a little worried about it, you know, run some diagnostics on it, whatever. And, and you know, then, then I'd just make sure everything was okay. But this really came out of nowhere. And like I said, I, right now I'm blaming, I think there might have been an issue with a certain Microsoft update. Um, I think I talked about it on Patreon. I have sent this off to companies to get the data extracted from it. Uh, you know, but but it, it's it's turning into a, a real, like one company said, uh, no, we can't do this. The other company said, okay, you know, we, yeah, I think we can, we can pull this off. I mean, it's a really, really ugly situation um, that happened with this solid state drive. And the story that I get from both companies, now this is something I already knew, you know, but even when you know it, it doesn't really hit you until it actually happens to you. And this is what I want to share with you. So after this experience happened, um, my line of thinking is thus, 
and this will explain what I'm going to tell you about. Um, I will not, for like a main computer or anything that's going to hold any kind of data that could be potentially irreplaceable, for even the shortest amount of time, I will not use a computer that is using a solid state drive. Um, the, you know, I, I've talked it over with these companies, you know, we, we've gone over these things. Like I said, all, all of this, I pretty much already knew anyway, that these, these were, you know, potential issues that could happen. Um, but what was really, and, and I sort of knew this other part too. And the other part is what was really enlightening about it all is they said, you know, with, with regular hard drives, I mean, you know, it's all mechanical. You can just replace the parts and no problem. You know, I mean, like in, in, in a way you go. And I think when we're thinking, you know, most people don't think about so many people use solid state drives, but I don't think, I don't think they think about it much because a lot of their really important shit they're storing in the cloud. And if something dies, it's no big deal. Right. But of course on sovereign tech, we're constantly pushing for something we are pushing for, not an anarchist world, but certainly world where the individual is in control of their data and where you're holding on to your shit. Okay. And then you're doing your own personal backups and whatever else. Okay. Um, for the amount of data that I think people would generally actually want and they don't think of, you know, because of cloud computing and, you know, cloud storage and the web, et cetera. Uh, yeah, I mean, a solid state drive just wouldn't cut it. It wouldn't be, you know, it's not cost effective. Like, I mean, there's a lot of very real concerns. Um, this, I mean, th this is a totally total, I mean, I could get that this is sort of a fluke that solid state drives on average don't fail within, you know, six months of their one could call their initial use okay by the consumer i get that that that's not commonplace but the amount of headache that could have been solved if it wasn't a solid state drive and was just a classic you know you know plat you know glass platter drive uh is is astronomical it's fucking astronomical like i mean i mean, I mean it, it's it's insane how much in fact i mean i've done this before you know when i've worked at other tech companies i've had hard drives fail on me before i know the deal you know but when it was a you know when it was just a regular hard drive not a solid state um i could do it myself where i could easily you know just just set up like a mini clean room and you know just switch out parts you know and logic boards and whatever else and no real problem not even any soldering required i mean it, it was a very very simple process to go through not so with a solid state drive. Uh, you you know, when they what you have on a solid state drive is you have a controller chip that, you know, equates to what the logic board does on a larger hard drive. And this is, you know, for all intents and purposes, the brain. And if this controller chip goes, which is very commonplace, usually not in the same amount of time, but it's very commonplace for controller chips to go, uh, as I understand it, by these companies who deal in this sort of thing. Um then, you know, you're, you're effectively screwed. And I mean, at some points you have to match, like you could solder on a new controller chip, but you have to match firmware. And there's a whole bunch of metrics uh, and details that you'd have to match with this exact same other controller chip. It's ugly. It's really, really ugly. So, you know, with, with all of that said, and I mean, and because this can kind of happen out of nowhere, I mean, it was, like I said, a lot of this I already knew, but some of the finer details about the percentages, the rates at which these things happen, and these are companies that I trust uh, quite a bit, and I've dealt with before, okay? But the percentages and a lot of this other stuff is is absolutely terrifying. And when they started listing off all of these numbers to me, and failure rates and everything, I'm like, 
why the hell would anybody use solid state drives to store anything? <laughs> like, like this is this is a bad deal. Now, I mean, I get it. Yeah, solid state drives. They're fast. They're great for gaming. You know, all that. Believe me, I completely understand that. That's why I started using them in the first place. Okay, uh, but at the end of the day. Like, wow, you know, if any of you out there are like are, are storing any kind of crypto or anything on a solid state drive, you know, make sure you're backing up your files, keeping your seed, you know, seed phrases safe and all that stuff. I mean, really make sure you're doing that because I am scared for you because this will this stuff will happen out of nowhere. And when it starts failing, it fails fast. Like my, my drive completely failed inside of about 24 hours like that in where I was trying to reboot it and everything. And it just completely died. I thought I could just run check disc on it and everything would be fine. No, it was mechanic or not mechanically, but it was failing physically and that happens. And, and when it does, you are done. Like, I mean, it, it's more or less over. And, uh, right now it's a little bit of a roll of the dice. If this other company is going to be able to pull it off and if they can pull it off, well, we're going to be talking about it on sovereign tech. I guarantee you that, but I'm really, you know, and the reason that I'm really reticent to talk about this and why I even got into solid state drives, because actually you can listen back quite a few years back in sovereign tech where I say, no, I'm not using a solid state drive. I'm, I'm concerned about the amount of reads and writes you can do. You know, I go down the list of all the potential problems with it. Okay. But then, you know, other people convinced me, no, 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 they're fine. They're fine. Okay. So, so I run with them and I still do regular backups of everything. I mean, this was a particularly unique case where some stuff wasn't backed up because I was away from home and it's shit that I don't put in the fucking cloud. So like that, that that was that was the deal. That's what made this so unique. You know, the, this this situation. And I know a lot of my listeners, you know, they're digital nomads and everything. And and maybe you don't want you want to do it right. You don't want to store it in the cloud. Well, let me tell you, like, I don't again, I don't want to sound like, you know, somebody's like, oh, well, back in my day, this technology worked like this and you didn't have to worry about blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm, I'm not I'm not going there. I'm telling you for a fact that if you're concerned about ever losing data, don't fucking use a solid state drive. And the, you know, the data, the results, the metrics, they're all in that. This is a bad idea and you can get, you know, okay, fine. So you can't use an ultra book because of this, your computer is going to weigh a pound more. It's going to lose an hour of battery life or whatever. All of that are fair trades. When you consider the fact that, holy shit, I could lose everything. I could lose all of my data. I mean, because not everybody's me either, where, you know, you have like multiple eight terabyte hard drives and all this other stuff, you know, laying around where you're backing up everything all the time, blah, blah, blah. I mean, most people aren't doing that. They either can invest in it or whatever, where ironically, it's actually more cost effective to, you know, purchase uh, a computer that uses like a that or like a laptop that has a 2.5 inch bay in it where you can plug in, you know, a, a traditional hard drive, you know, into a SATA port. I'm just saying I recommend it, you know, if you're gaming, I mean, the other option is, is that some lap, laptops, big laptops have multiple hard drive bays. Then you could use a solid state for your, you know, for your operating system. And then you could store and back up other things onto a traditional hard drive. That's a great solution, too. But I'm telling you, I recommend this all the way. Do not trust those solid state drives for anything. You, you back shit up like there's no tomorrow. Whatever that takes to do or you switch over to using traditional hard drives. So, lesson learned. There's your tip from Sovereign Tech this week, because we're all about solutions here, baby. Woo! Anyway, all right, that's enough of me screaming and hollering and goddamning and fucking whatever else this week. I will see all of you, woo, on the other side. And you know, you know that next week's episode is going to be a great time. <laughs>
Woo! because it always is when the ladies are around. I will see you on you the other just side. Experienced Sovereign Tech. Go to SovereignTech.com. That's S-O-V-R-Y-N-Tech.com. And connect with us there. Find links from today's show and catch our podcast feed. Sovereign Tech is copy heart. Copying art is an act of love. And love is not subject to law. So please, share the show however you like. Welcome to the Evolution. Evolution.